Hey, freak. What's up? Are you in a good mood? Yeah. All right, because I don't want to—I don't want to spoil your good mood, but I, I wonder if oh, you've heard no. this yet. Robin Williams died. I know. I know. Oh, did you hear yeah, about? Just, it? Yeah. Saw it on the two true. Is that not f***ed up? I heard that he was like a depressed person, <clears throat> which would explain like why he was like on drugs, on and off drugs all his life. Right. But man, I never would have, you know. His manager through his wife through his manager management said that he'd been battling severe depression the last couple months. So, man, yeah, yeah, it sucks. I've just been watching Robin Williams videos now on on YouTube. You know, I wanted to I wanted to post up because uh, his first comedy album, man, I listened to that like that was that Monty Python and. Steve Martin were like my foundations for humor, you know. Man, I just can't believe it. Yeah, it's one I just found out, so it's gonna have to take a little while to sink in. Right. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it sucks. And and then I start thinking, and it's just like, man, nobody didn't like Robin Williams. You know what I mean? Nobody. I'm sure there are people who didn't like Robin Williams, but he was not like fucking Adam Sandler or something. Right, yeah. He did so many different things that there's something that, pe you know, people liked that he did. You know, if you, like Fisher King or, or uh, you know, he did a, like drama movie you know what what was that one goodwill hunting or whatever right yeah yeah wow. yeah i think maybe at the beginning we should like dedicate the episode to him or something or yeah you know, we can yeah some, or something yeah absolutely and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Oh, yeah. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Hey! Let's hear it for Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. Comics Monthly Mondays. Alright. I got a weird stack of comics here. Yeah, I got a ton of shit. You know what? Somebody just messaged me. I bet you that's my... Yep, there he is. Yeah, he said he was going to be a couple minutes late. Here he comes now. What? <laughs> Don't take that tone with me. Yeah, I, uh... 
What's I don't good? give a shit now because you are you do not you do not uh, upset me anymore with that kind of weak ass. Don't take that tone with me. <laughs> How am I doing? I'm I'm a little bummed out right now, guys. Yeah, yeah so I saw that too. Yeah, we we were just discussing uh, maybe dedicating the episode to. Uh, oh to yeah, we should definitely talk the shit out of some Popeye. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that, but. Well, well, it ties into Comics Monthly Monday. It does. It does. It's the most, yeah. So, so we've all agreed where this episode is just this is gloat fest, right? Yeah. Oh, look at yeah. the shit that I got. Okay. Well, you, yeah, I know you. I've seen pictures of your scores lately. I've only Dude, got a. I've got a stack from... here that I have divided into four sub stacks, and probably looking at about fifty books. So yeah, I got a lot of shit to break. Yeah, I got like five or six, <laughs> but it's a nice, it's a nice mixed bag. It's all over the place. Are we pretty much ready to dive right into this sucker? Yes. Because you have to be out <laughs> at 9, right, Chris? Um, No, I'm not meeting Paul till 10, so I got a little leeway. Oh, okay. But it would be nice to have a little snack in bet- snack and piss in between. So, <laughs> Just do them in the proper order. Jeez. Jesus I'll probably do them at the same time. Ooh, you got some on me. <laughs> Feel better? I guess. How you been, Mike? I've been fine. Actually, it's been... <laughs> it was really shitty over back to school, but I've had the last four days off, and outside of today being kind of crappy because we had trouble shearing the dogs, uh, everything's been fine. So Is that a euphemism? No, that means... We... <laughs> no, I, I would call it something else. <laughs> so... <laughs> Missed you at the con, buddy. Well, you got Dragon Con coming up at least. Oh, and man. dude, I am, I am, I know of Ready one panel it? I'm on, and I'm, I'm gonna get the word soon of how many others I'm gonna be on. But I've gotten in pretty good with the American Sci-Fi Classics guys. Sweet. So, uh, in fact, I just recorded with the two track directors and Van Plexico a couple about a week or so ago uh, for views, and they're. He sent me the list of everything they're doing, and guys, you'd probably just park yourselves at this track. Uh, so, just a shitload of uh, really cool stuff Damn, uh, dude. going on there. So, I like that we're I like that we're working the cons a lot lately. That's awesome. <laughs> you need to get yourself a good digital recorder and record those. Make oh, I'm make- bringing my my microphone and my laptop. Oh, there you go. Because uh, one of the guys last year did that, and he had the exact same setup I do. So. Um, there you go. I figure, why the hell not? I, and then just figure out where I want to disperse them. Mm-hmm. Like, does this work better for two true freaks? Does this work better for views? Because if it's really, if it's like uh, television and and geek related, it's and not strictly comic book. I may just do it. Uh, just put them together for TTF, and then you guys have some Dragon Con panels. Uh, so I think I think that should be fun. Oh, dude, have to tell you, loving, 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 loving the uh, big book shows that you do. Oh, in wait till you hear the one we just recorded, man. Ho, 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 ho. It's the ultimate. It was, I mean, it, Trentus and I weren't getting really a word in edgewise, but that was what? sort of what the... <laughs> I couldn't get a word in edgewise. What the f*** are you talking about? <laughs> what did you guys record about? Ancient Aliens. Oh, oh, shit, dude, really? And we had Scott on. It was awesome, man. It's it's one of the best big shows, big book shows. Yeah, it was was a riot. 
Actually, it wasn't as much ancient astronauts. It was more NASA. Yeah, it was all over the place. It, yeah, but the NASA stuff was fascinating. I, because, I, I, dude, you've done your homework on, on that stuff. Did you guys watch that video I tagged you into? About the guy saying why the uh, Apollo missions couldn't have been faked? Yes. Yeah, oh, I saw that. I've seen that right, I, I didn't watch it because I, I misunderstood what it was. I, no, I thought it was another No, one. no, no it, was a, it was a guy just pretty soundly debunking all the, all the bullshit. The, um, you probably won't like his politics, Scott, but he fucking lays out exactly why it couldn't have been faked. And basically, the reason is we didn't have the technology to do that. And very matter-of-factly using basically what we had access to in terms of live television at the time, they could not have faked what was put on the television. Uh, I mean, he goes into like the, oh, oh uh, there's no shadows? Well, this is why that's bullshit. But it's mainly like to the, and I, I figured Chris would love it more than anybody just of how technical he got with the yeah. cameras and the yeah. and the shit, but it was just it was great. Yeah, it was good to hear someone with actual film mm -hmm. uh, knowledge, you know, instead of people who are just like you couldn't possibly do it. It's just like how do you know? You know, you're just some dick behind a computer somewhere, you know. And and this guy and and everything he said was dead accurate too. Mm -hmm. That's why I figured you'd like it so much. You, yeah. So, but enough tech talk. Let's talk yeah, comics. Yeah, we should get going. Oh, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 64. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? Because I'm always hungry because I am poor. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey. Hi. Hey, glad to have us all back together again. Yes. I know. The band has not been back together in a while. Uh, I'd like to open this show up with uh, to the guy that was uh, hassling Scott on Facebook the other day. Which um, one? Uh, he, <laughs> they'll know what I'm talking about. I don't want to bring it up again. But basically, somebody Scott made an opinion known about something that is rather contentious to begin with, and one of the people involved decided to be kind of a d-bag about the whole thing so i just wanted to lend my voice in support of scott well, even if i don't 100 percent agree with him he's my friend and uh yeah fuck them i have no I idea mean, what you guys are talking about but i yeah well, I'll I, I don't I, I don't think he listens I, I i appreciate that i don't think he listens but i you know i i don't i don't want to be ugly about it i don't harbor any you know resentment or like that. As a matter of fact, I, I kind of understood where he was coming from. You know, d I'll, you know. Of course, I don't under, you know, I don't uh, appreciate what he said. You know, as far as you know, the way he left the conversation, and everything. But continuing briefly, you know, uh, in PMs, I, I kind of saw the point he was trying to make that he felt. Um, well, I don't mean I don't want to speak for him, but I, I think he just felt. That I was saying something that I, I really wasn't saying at all, but anyway, yeah, that's neither here nor there, I guess. I know that's a little vague. I just, uh, and, and I feel a little bad that I didn't say anything in the thread, but I didn't want my, I didn't want to spend all day long getting notifications that something else. You know, that's the thing about Facebook is some. This was about the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, right? That, that <laughs> thread. <laughs> No, 
know, I don't know about you guys, but do you guys ever not get involved in something on Facebook just because you don't want to deal with the notifications? No, that... and that's my problem, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do it anymore. But <laughs> no, I, I spent like it feels like I spent like half of a day off just with that yeah. nonsense, and I'm not I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where people are always telling you, or at least are always telling me, hey, you know, be, don't be afraid to, you know, speak your opinions and all oh, we love it when, you know, you give the straight dope and everything and then you do and it's like, oh, you know, and then they end. I didn't know, love that one. Yeah, exactly. They end <laughs> the conversation the way that that one ended by telling you to F off. So it's like, I oh, loved okay. I loved them all until this one, which yeah, pissed me off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> until you disagreed with me. Now I hate you. Yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, wow, that is not how I thought we were going to start this episode. I was mad. I, I just, you know. But no, I I appreciate that because I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to, I'll just be honest. Every once in a while, I do wonder, where the hell are all my friends? Why is nobody coming in to back me up on this? Because so people I, just say, well, it's because people see it. smarter than I am. That's you see, you see a shitstorm <laughs> brewing on, on yeah. Facebook and it's just sort of like... What he ran away. Well, you know what that makes him smarter than us. <laughs> you know, I mean, I bet you a lot of people started typing like, "Well, I," and then they just go, "Ah, no." <laughs> well, it's just some I'll just get pop some popcorn and sit back and watch this one. <laughs> I like well, Scott, but I have no problem leaving him out there to die alone. <laughs> it's it's not that. It's it's why I stopped going to message boards. Is because I realized that every time I would type up what I considered a uh, phone call from my wife. <laughs> Quick, jump on the xylophone. I, I see Michael Hello? right now is like wiggling his nose. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I think a good, I've been doing this a lot in my own brain lately brain. when I'm on Facebook is... And and Facebook to me, and I'm I'm not gonna be an asshole and lie and say. Although I, Facebook mostly is used for two true freaks for me. Right. You know, most of the people I know are through our listeners or people involved with that, with a smattering of you know my real life friends or whatever. So I use it to promote the show and stuff. And, but I don't want to sound like I'm like, oh, all I use Facebook for is to promote the show. I do get involved with like, oh, look at this link and, you know, rolling down and scrolling around and looking. But when I start spending too much time about it or start getting like a little mad or agitated, I start thinking, am I doing something useful right now or am I just sort of wasting time? Right. You know, get getting ready to get involved in somebody else's fight. You know, <laughs> right? Well, throwing in my it's it's so tempting to throw. It has a little box that says comment to throw your two cents into and into anybody's conversation, and then it just yeah, and then it just goes from there. So well, it's, it just seems like for me, every time I put out what I think is a well thought out argument, where I'm not insulting every anybody, I'm making it very clear that this is my opinion. And it's either ignored or either it's ignored as in no one responds to it uh, right. and just and just doesn't say anything to it. Or it's ignored as just like, well, you said all that, but I'm still going to a different point that has nothing to do with what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, maybe people will fight over this then. <laughs> 
if I phrase it this way. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I noticed um, a local. Uh, it, it's sort of it's not local news. It's national news. That race car driver hit that guy and killed him. Well, that's right in my backyard, and you know, it was it was this. And I would be interested, Scott, actually, in what your dad had to think about this because. You know, he's actually raced cars and stuff. But everybody, including a local, like, radio show guy here, are jumping on, like, Jeff Gordon killed that guy. You know, this is terrible. He killed that guy. And I'm like, why instantly go... That's that's sort of where we go now, to the darkest thing or the most... Or the thing that's going to cause the most, you know, give you something to argue about. Because otherwise, with that story, it would be just like, oh, that's too bad that guy got hit. You know, that's that's sad. That's a crappy way to go you know but instead now it's like gonna be like did that guy kill him on purpose and blah 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 you know and nobody knows nobody knows what was you know going on inside that guy's head but facebook just sets it up for that you know it, the the re when when you put out your reasonable thought out answer that's that's fair to both sides that that doesn't that people, doesn't fly. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That doesn't get people riled up or 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 pissed or make them cry or laugh or whatever they want. That you know, it's just like. But the thing is, you never know how many people read it, don't say anything, but they appreciate it. You might hear from them a couple years later and be like, you know, you made a really good point on all that, and and there, I think there's a lot of people who are wise enough to just sort of they they go on their their Facebook, see if anybody's written them any important messages, and then they go on about their life. <laughs> One of our good friends does that, and I think he's much happier for it. He has a fuller and, and happier life. One thing I wanted to, before we, we went on, I wanted to thank Michael for uh, taking one for the team, so to, so to speak, and uh, while Scott and I were on our sunny vacation during Assistant Editors Month, you sort of stuck with Comics Monthly Monday, and that was a great show. Yes, it was. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was a lot of fun to do. It was great to have Paul and Gene on the show. Yes. And, uh, you know, DeManzo just based. Someday you might get a vacation yourself. So, uh, <laughs> no, the best part of that was uh, tracking down a copy of Holiday Road by Lindsay Buckingham. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love that and you song. And you can't find, like, a, like, you know, on Amazon through the Two True Freaks link. By the way, just throwing that out there, uh, you can't find like like the the soundtrack to National Lampoon's Vacation is not on available for digital download. But I ended up finding a live version that I liked almost better, anyways. So it kind of worked out for the best. So it's one of the most summery sounding songs ever. Yeah, and, and I figure it fit with the whole theme of the of the episode and, and the assistant editor's month to begin with. So. It was just nice being on Comics Monthly Monday again after everything that happened earlier in the year and then all of your theme months. <laughs> well, we also decided after after our vacation that we'd, we'd come back and sort of decompress back in. So we're, we're, we're chucking, we're sort of chucking the, the ass end of the format. We're just sort of sticking to the first part of the show where we, we go through our comics hall or or stuff like that because it's been so long we've just been stockpiling comics which means a, a small to decent pile for me and probably humongous stacks for the <laughs> for the two of you well i don't want to i don't want to steal any thunder from uh from garage sale gloat but i'm perfectly prepared to oh, this gloat fest because i yeah. i saw that one posting where you put all the pictures of that stuff you got and 
I usually, when I see people like, look at the comics I got, I'm like, oh, cool. This one, I was getting jealous looking at <laughs> Oh, you bass. Ooh. Oh, there's Planet of the Apes in there and stuff. Yep. Oh. Who wants to go first? Maybe I should go first because I... Let him go first. He has the shortest stack. I do have the shortest stack. <laughs> know about that because oh, I don't have just... all that. I, I got quality, not quantity. How about that? Ooh. So, but go ahead, Chris. So I've gotten I've gotten a lot of um, stuff in the mail uh, lately. I got a big stack of Dennis the... Ma- I've been getting some kitty comics, which I love. Um, I got a big stack of like six uh, giant, you know, 88-page Dennis the Menace comics which i always loved as kids and those those were from mark kambach who's another garage sailor and he's got he's got my number he knows he just knows the weird stuff to say it's almost uncanny i got a package that i wasn't even anticipating the other day and i i see it and i see his name on it and it's about paperback side size and now when i get a package from mark kambach i'm just like (laughs) tearing into it to see what it is and this one, it was like um, it, 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 in Pulp Fiction where they open up the briefcase or when they open up the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> and, the, and the light comes pouring out. It was Nazis get melted. Yes, all the Nazis in my room melted. Um, it's uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost paperback, uh, Casper Ooh. Tales of Wonder. But it's the only one I had when I was a kid. It's like got Casper... And like a and Wendy is tiny and on the palm of his hand, and it's got hot stuff, the little devil behind him, and then it's got all the characters from Alice in Wonderland running around in it. And uh, as and I'd forgotten I even had it, but you know I pulled it out, and as soon as I saw it, it was just like nostalgia waves coming off it. And it's great because it's I love when these books. I'd rather get these all beat up and used, you know, the way I that they were when I had them. This one on the back page, it says Joe, and whoever wrote Joe like painted it on there. The 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 letters are a half inch thick and just scrawled on there like a caveman put it on there. And everywhere that hot stuff, the demon appears or the de- little devil or whatever he is, uh, he's gone through with red magic marker and very neatly colored him in. So it's only got every now and then there's a little blast of red in it, sort of like um oh what was that uh. Schindler's List, <laughs> except a lot funnier. It's got a story where Casper goes into uh, goes except to you know that whole killing Jews thing. That's uh, yeah. It's, it's I don't think hot stuff. Ever it's real, completely free of genocide. I, it's it's the one Casper. Wait a minute. Wait wait wait. Was hot was was hot stuff a Nazi? He's a devil, so I guess he's aligned with the Nazis anyway. He's a good devil. I don't know if it's propaganda, Satanist propaganda or whatever, but he was, you know, I mean, all of the, all of these Harvey, like in the, you had Wendy, the good little witch. Hot stuff which they, written by Alistair Crowley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they were all sort of like, they all had, they were all characters and they were, you know, made to be friendly towards kids. So they all had like, Casper had the three ghostly brothers who were real mean ghosts and Wendy had the the witch sisters who were, you know, the real... So I don't know if... I never saw hot stuff, like, end up, like, at the throne of Satan. He might, though, you know? He might end up at... I I don't remember hot stuff comics that much. Anyway. Well, Hitler did write that one book called Mind Stuff, so, you know. Mind Stuff. Oh, dear. 
Anyway. This is all about how he went to a garage sale as a kid, but was uh, sniped by somebody. So <laughs> <laughs> that sent him on the wrong path. So then I found another another garage sale. I got a, a little lot of comic. And then I got two uh, nice Walt Disney's comics and stories. <gasps> One of which might be... Like the art looks like it's Carl Barks era anyway. It's got that older, little more finer line to it. If if you know what I mean. It's a little just right. a little higher quality and it looks a little more forties style. And the other one's definitely more of a of the modern Disney style. But they're both great. They both I forget how good the stories in Walt Disney's comics and stories are and how like sort of psychologically interesting they are you know the characters are pretty complex and they're, they're kind of neat and uh to round out the kitty books i got um i don't know if you'd call it a kitty book because it would be kitties for adults uh um johnny bueno from the funny book underbelly which is in negotiations for renewal brought me uh a little gift packet and one of the comics was the bongo comics free-for-all which is a Sort of one half of it is Simpsons comics, the other half is Futurama comics, and or, or actually, it, yeah, no, it's all it's all Simpsons, but the back cover has a Futurama back cover on it. And then he got me an underground comic, a mini comic of uh, of J.R. Williams called Skin Boy in Space, and it's probably like ten pages long, just a little pamphlet sized thing. But then. And I should have brought this up on Star Trek Monthly Monday, but I didn't start reading it till the other day. I finally got the third edition of uh, Star Trek: The Enterprise Logs by uh, it's the you know Golden Press Star Trek comics, and there's four Enterprise logs that you know um, serialize all the the issues. So now I only need number four, and you know how we've talked about this, and I like them for their campy value and scott pretty much doesn't like them at all this one is interesting because you can see the art get markedly better and that they learn you know that the enterprise doesn't land and put a ramp down and stuff like that and they start getting the the stuff from the tv show right and i was like oh this is great but you know what the stories don't take any (laughs) like there's one story in here there's a space zombie that takes over the ship but I mean, I defy you to tell me that these awful stories aren't great awful stories. There's one called The Trial of Captain Kirk, where he has to prove his innocence. So they do a Logan's run on him, where they give him a little, like, space surgery to make him look different, which is basically they put an afro and sideburns on him. So it's Kirk with a big, like, mod squad afro and pointy sideburns running around trying to clear his name. And then there's one that's actually... um, Oh, what that Gulliver's Travels, but it's more like it's Kirk's Travels right to the point of where they, you know, they tie him down on the beach and all that with with rocks, except they have little spaceships. So it's Space Gulliver's Travels. So the stories definitely did not uh, get any better. There's one where Scotty gets shrunk down and and has to, like, tie rags around his naked body and fight amoebas. Not fan fiction either. So, yeah... I've been enjoying that. And then I got another Rummage Shale find. Nice big hardcover um, comic call or comic book called The Classic Era of American Comics by Nikki Wright. And it's just um, it's just that. It's it's maybe up until the fifties. 
And it's just a big coffee table picture book, but it's got beautiful reproductions of all sorts of stuff from the Disney stuff to superhero stuff to the, um, you know, they cover the um, EC era and stuff like that. And it's it's nice, but it was it was only a buck, so that was an, a nice find. And then finally, another piece of swag from uh, Paul Riches, and it's called Comics, A History of Comic Books in America, but comics is spelled with an X. That's the oh, Les Daniels yeah, book. Les yes. Daniels. Yeah. yeah, by Les Daniels. And I've never heard of it. And to, when when he showed me it and said, would you be interested in this? And of course, as I say to everybody who pops on to, and asks me if I'd be interested in it for free to send to me, I say, yes. Hell yes. And uh, wow, what a neat book this is. Mm-hmm. It, this is... This is, you know, whereas the other one that I got, the classic era of American comics, is it's sort of like something you'd see on the the bargain bin at uh at Borders or something, you know, the five ninety five bin on the way out. It's nice, it's nice, but it's sort of a cursory. I'm not gonna pick up a lot of uh, new information out of it, you know. It's it's been this this material has been covered a lot, but the comics one. A lot of text in it. And oh, his guy, books are his books are phenomenal, man. He's Absolutely. definitely got gonna... a point of view, and it's more it's the it's more in depth, and you can tell the comics that he you know he's picked whole stories in this uh, for their context and everything. And this one, I'm saving this one. This one's going to be one that I read, you know, cover to cover. Yeah, he that he's. Can't... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was about to say that came out of an era when people wrote books about comics. They would include reprints of whole yes. stories, and it would be from different publishers, yes. which you won't find today. That one also has the original comics code in it, in a chapter, with a history of the comics code and the original code as it was established. Uh, and when I was in college, I ran across that book in the library, and I remember photocopying that because I wanted to have a copy, and then I found a, a really inexpensive copy on eBay. But uh, to go with what Scott said, Les Daniels was really one of the best comic book historians that yep. there ever was. Amen. Uh, he, he sadly passed away, but he wrote that. He wrote Marvel, Five Fabulous Decades of the World's Greatest Comics. Yep. He wrote a DC book uh, similar to that called it was like 60 years of the world's greatest superheroes DC or something comics like that. yeah celebration of the world's greatest uh, comic book heroes and he did three volumes uh superman the complete history batman the complete history and wonder woman the complete history and chris if you ever want to read a history of a character that you thought may not have had this history and realized how wonky it was read his wonder woman book. Oh, this is because say. i didn't I didn't realize until I read that book how batshit crazy her entire publishing history was. As a sort of uh, as a sort of um, fetish, um, a way to put fetish, mild beyond that discipline stuff, and oh, even beyond that, beyond that, that the stuff that happened to her in the fifties and the sixties mm-hmm. and the seventies, and it's just like all this. You know, it's a it's it's a. I think the only reason Wonder Woman stayed popular through the seventies is Linda Carter. Oh yeah, I I honestly believe that because it sure as hell wasn't her comics. <laughs> so the two biggest reasons that I ever got into Jonah Hex as a character was one, uh, his appearance on Batman the animated series because that episode he's in, he's the episode. I mean, mm-hmm. Batman and Robin are in the very beginning of it, and then it starts a flashback, and then the flashback takes up pretty much the entire rest of the episode. That was one. The other one 
was the chapter in Les Daniels DC book that covered strange comics, you know, just unusual shit that DC was putting out in the 70s when they were just basically throwing any concept against the wall to see what would stick. And there was a great chapter in there about Jonah Hex, and it showed uh, a panel from the, uh, the Jonah Hex Spectacular where Jonah was killed. So I actually became interested in that character because he told about how he died. And I was so fascinated with that story that I was like, I got to find that. And in this quest to find that, I ended up finding, you know, all the other issues of his book. I got I collected most of Jonah, you know, his back issues before I actually got the death issue, which was the one that that caught my interest in the first place. But it was all due to that book. It, just a phenomenal read. Both of his uh uh, you know, books covering the the big two, the Marvel one and the DC one. I mean, th- those are like must-haves in any uh, any comic collector's collection because they're really really good book, very informative. Well, I mean, the guy the guy knew his stuff. Yeah, and I mean, is I've been my obsession lately has been getting records and books. I've been like trying to find you know books that I really want to read and good, solid, awesome reference books on stuff I'm interested in and. I, I get my endorphin rush from it when I slide it onto the, the shelf. And this, this book, when this came and I started looking through it, I was like, this is going to be an awesome book to slide onto my shelf of comics reference books, you know? I, I, I realized when I saw it that it was something really good that I was kind of ashamed that I've never heard of it, you know? And uh, I, I appreciate that he thought of me when he sent it to me, too. And it's definitely something I needed to put on my shelf and now that i'm looking through it it's got some carl barks donald duck in it also it's got a little everything it's got a nice whole big section on the end of underground comics and what really got me about that is the first thing they show of underground comics are the uh oh what did they call them uh tijuana bibles is the first thing there and oh that, nice <laughs> yeah which is really that that's the first underground comics right there you know well, the cover of that book isn't it's very underground that, looking it's, it's it's isn't it uh it's either amazing man or wonder man taking out an airplane it's a, isn't it's a guy he's all in yellow and his mask is sort of a sack that's tied it's like a bag that's tied on top of his head he's got a banana on his on the on his back he's swinging on a rope somewhere from the air onto a plane which has a pig driving it and he's punching the pig and the plane has like a woman on it and Sheena, uh, you know, Queen of the Jungle outfit that says misunderstood on it. It's hmm. like uh, graphics by Mad Peck Studio. So the so the and it's got that. Oh, who is who, what was the name of the pop artist who did um, he would do comic panels? Lichtenstein, was it? Yeah, Lichtenstein. It's very Lichtenstein look, sort of looking. And, and comics is spelled with an X. Right. It says stuff like approved for kids, by, and it looks like it's independently published. It's got like a fake ad on the back that looks like something out of a subgenius cut and paste book or something. So I thought this was going to be a book all about underground comics and uh, was was at first not pleasantly surprised that it was and then very pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. So, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm really looking forward to this is on my um short list of books that that are getting read i've got a whole system for reading four books at a time now one book that i've already read beside the bed to put me to sleep at night if i can't sleep 
Um, one book on the front porch that's just a fluffy sort of, you know, read chapter by chapter, you know, one of those read in one sitting books. Um, one book in, in my computer room that's my serious, like, paying full attention to I'm reading this book, and then one in the crapper that's somewhere between pure fluffiness and serious reading. <laughs> See, I wonder if that book has had more than one cover on it, because I would swear that that's the same book that I've seen. with. It has, like, a bright yellow cover, and like I say, it's, e- it's either... Does. Yeah, it's either Wonder Man or Amazing Man from, but I'm talking like back in the you know late 30s, early 40s, and it's like he's I don't know, like racing a plane or landing on a plane or something like that. You, you know what I'm talking about, Mike? Have you seen that that cover? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking mine's, about. Mine's mine's uh, a reprint. It, it says in, okay. the, in the front yeah. that it came out in 71, and this is 73. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think it's the original version. Yeah, I have the original cover. one in the other room. It, so. it might have been pr- there. Might have been printing, and this and this was sort of a small printing house out of Britain sort of thing. And after this, if it if it did really well, it could have gotten picked up by a more major publishing company too, and had subsequent printings too. It seems to be a popular book. There's a lot of copies of it on eBay. And on the cheap, too, so if anybody wants to get it, I'm sure they're on Amazon, too, though. I need to get one of those for my own collection. I I'd Actually, that's uh, one of them I don't have. I have his, uh, his DC book and his Marvel book, and I think I have his Superman book, I think. But there there's definitely there's other ones that I need to get that I do not have. Cool. Yeah, that's about all I got, though, in, in comic book land. What you got, Mike? Uh, outside of some very unhappy dogs, apparently, I have uh, a couple eBay buys. I I haven't been really buying a whole lot lately. Haven't been able to get to, um, uh, there was a comic show this past weekend, but with it being like, you know, two and a half weeks to Dragon Con, that wasn't happening, unfortunately, which I kind of wish it would have. But I have gotten a couple eBay things recently. One that I was, Kirby Omnibus Volume 2, and it was kind of a, not something I was really searching out, but when I saw the the link on e, on Facebook pop up from Paul Kupperberg, uh, prolific comic book writer uh, that I know Scott and I'm pretty much assuming that Chris is familiar with him as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we had him on uh, on Star Trek Monthly Monday. Yes, we did. Yeah, I, back. Don't, I don't want to ever assume that Chris doesn't know anything again because I'm usually dead wrong about that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> And I don't like being wrong anymore. Please don't hate me, Chris. <laughs> but uh, he, every once in a while, sells stuff on, on eBay and posts about it on Facebook. And I bought stuff from him in the past. And it's usually really reasonable, reasonably priced uh, items. But this one popped up. And the main reason I wanted it is that it reprints the first uh, the first and second Superpowers miniseries uh, from, the, uh, from the 80s. And while I have those, I really wanted to see what they would look like recolored. Because uh, uh, Paul wrote the second one, and and that's the one that I think is is more close to my heart. Because I remember reading a few issues of that when I was a kid, and I cracked it open as soon as I got it. And these things are reprinted beautifully. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Uh, and and it's some of uh, Kirby's um, better work for DC around that time. So, but the other things it has in it, which really kind of surprised me when I got it, was there was a. I don't want to. I don't know how to describe it. A um, horror book called Black Magic that DC did. Yeah, was, yeah, I remember uh, that. 
And apparently Kirby did a lot of stories for that because there because the bulk of the reprints in this are from that. And I thought that was just kind of cool to have just in general. But it also reprints like his Sandman series that always looked kind of weird. And his first issue special of Manhunter and the first issue special of the Dingbats of Danger Street. Right. Which is probably one of the single greatest names ever, in my opinion. Is that the one that had Flippa-Dippa and all no, that? No, Flippa-Dippa was part of the Newsboy Legion. Newsboys, that's right. Uh, so, and when I uh, when I got it, I just, you know, went on Amazon and eBay just to see what other Jack Kirby stuff has been reprinted. And, oh my God, DC has done, like, this amazing job reprinting all of his were i mean all of the fourth world stuff was put out in both hardcover and trade paperback uh there have been two jack kirby omnibuses there's a jack uh, jack kirby omnibus with all of his green arrow work his uh, like a, a demon omnibus a loser's omnibus an omac omnibus and i'm just i kind of want to pick him up because i have this strange fascination with uh, his dc work after he left marvel the first time because a lot of it everything i've ever read has been, I don't know if I like it, but it's got this strange energy to it that I can't look away, you know? It's just right. It's just really strange. Like, I read the first issue of The Demon, and it was amazing. It, it was just like, I, I can see why his work at DC influenced so many generations of creators that came after him. And, I mean, really, when you look at the Superman books, and I know you'd probably say this is as a detriment to the titles, uh, but the Superman books in the late 80s and early 90s owed a huge debt to Kirby's fourth world stuff with everything they introduced with the Newsboy Legion and the Guardian and Double X and Cadmus and bringing back Morgan Edge and all that. It was just, uh, it's almost like going back and reading that stuff I'm seeing what influenced the people that created my favorite version of Superman. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But also just just seeing that somebody decided, hey, let's reprint those Superpowers miniseries that no one really talks about. Just because I remember the first one not being the best, but the second one was actually pretty good and was uh, was really more of a... It, it never felt like a tie-in to the, into the toy line, even though it was pretty much a tie-in to the toy line. So I don't know if you ever read those when they first came out, Scott. I did. Um, I don't have much nice to say about them. Okay, so that's I was fine. Kind of just keep keep them keeping quiet. Um, but just knowing that that Kupperberg wrote that second one, maybe I need to go back and take a look at that mm -hmm. second one again because a lot of it for me, what I remember is just the art. I was just not enamored of the art, but. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if it, you know, if there's good stories in there, then I, I might have to go back and check it out at some point. Because I do believe I have both of those in single issues. I remember reading, I think it was just the very first one was the one that I read. And I don't remember who wrote that one. Uh, Joey Cavalieri. Okay, yeah. Scripted it and Kirby plotted and penciled it. I know I have the second one. I'm not sure if I've ever read it. I think I just, you know, I've, I've accumulated it over the years, just, you know, bits and pieces here and there. I think I have the complete thing. I don't know that I've ever actually read it, though. That first issue, which has this great cover of Darkseid kind of threatening the, the heroes and all that, I got when I was a kid, my friend Brian, uh, who was kind of my best friend growing up, um, uh, he was going on vacation. Uh, so he said, I went to the comic shop and he handed me that first issue. And it was my first experience with like the new gods in the comics. I mean, I'd seen Darkseid on, on the Superpowers cartoon, 
but I had no idea who the Hunger Dogs were or what this world was. So as a kid, it kind of went over my head. Now it's just like this rich tapestry because I have become this this giant fan of the fourth world in a way I thought I never would be because I used to be really... I don't want to say I hated Kirby, but I wasn't like the hugest fan. And now it's it's like maybe I swallowed the Kool-Aid and now I, 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 I for me, I get it. So Scott and I used to mock him as other, kids. The what? Scott and I used to just mock Kirby as kids ruthlessly. <laughs> but now I'm okay. I while I'm not a big fan, I definitely see how innovative his art was and how it's I now I enjoy people that are more stylistic too, and uh, and, and to be fair, when you guys were kids, Kirby wasn't. I mean, Kirby was putting on like Devil Dinosaur and 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 that kind of thing. So it's not like it was the the cream of his crop either. It's just I I don't know what it is about that fourth world stuff, but I I suddenly understand why people glommed onto it so much. Uh, and 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 I really don't think anybody's gotten it right since uh, since he did it. So I, I think that's kind of one of the sad parts of it is that he created these concepts and everybody tries to do their version of it and it never really comes up to what the original was. Uh, but God love them, they keep trying, you know. Right. So my other two purchases, which I was very happy to get because I got them kind of cheap. And uh, I actually blame you guys for this <laughs> um, because I went buying them a, or uh, getting them cheap, uh, buying them in the first place. Okay. <laughs> but um, the uh, recently I went through kind of a Star Wars kick and uh, to kind of ride that wave for as long as it lasted. I started going through the old Star Wars monthly Mondays. Uh, and it was it's interesting to listen to those, by the way, because through those you almost get like the complete evolution of two true freaks and like Marvel from Scouts. how you guys. Uh, yeah. And, and no, but but also like how you guys first started, how you did shows. And then when Scott lost his job and then when uh, when uh, you guys got the new microphones and when Scott started working for Disney, it's just yeah, it's, it's just really kind of funny listening through all that again. Uh, and being reminded of that when, you know, it's just, and how far you guys have come with that show. So well, that that's the uh, thing about two true freaks is that sometimes I think about it and I forget that we're not doing just like, ah, we're doing a star Trek show and a star Wars show through all the shows we got just by the, just by the fact that we have our lives, we have a, ru a running narrative that runs yep. all of it. So if you start listening early on and go, you know, you can actually hear our lives change as as it goes along. But, I think that's cool. I yeah, think that's that's I, one of the hallmarks of I the think show. That's honestly. like the basis of, of what distinguishes our show from other shows. Mm -hmm. But the two things I bought because you guys were talking about them and they sounded so awesome uh, was one the first Marvel special edition Star Wars. I had number two, uh, one, and you guys were you know basically saying how awesome it was so i immediately went to ebay i love that and found format one anyway yeah it's, there's something about treasury comics in general uh rob kelly uh who not only hosts the fire and water podcast but he uh runs a, a blog which he's in the process i think of updating where he basically went through and cataloged every treasury comic ever 
uh, and it's a great resource if you're if you're looking, you know, you know what was in what, and did this one even exist? And oh my God, how many treasury books did Rudolph have? <laughs> um, but uh, he, uh, when when I said I bought it, he's like, well, you know, <laughs> treasury books are are an addiction, and he's kind of right because I started looking through from from when I started, you know like a couple of like about six or seven years ago started like picking them up. I've gathered this like collection of treasury books hunting for more. The only problem is I don't know where to put them. They're in a drawer right now. They're just really hard to store. I think that's the only really drawback to the treasury format is how large they are. They end up on uh, bookshelves just like with the oversized books. They do actually make bags and boards for those mm-hmm. damn things. Yeah. I, I keep meaning to go and buy some myself, and I've just not gotten around to it yet, but I need to. But this, I, I, it's not a Whitman reprint. I was kind of, I have nothing against Whitman reprints, but if I'm going to have, I want the original, so if I can find it. Because those Whitman reprints are actually really, really cheap on eBay. But this one, it's a gorgeous book, and to answer a question does say uncle owen in that version he does not say uncle ben uh, um, so they changed it but just reading it at that size uh it's just glorious i guess that's the only really real way i can i can uh describe you know even my dog likes it i mean it's just the artwork looks so much better at that size the story reads so much better at that size and then i got the head in listening to Star Wars Monthly Monday, and you guys were talking about Empire Strikes Back, which I think are some of your better episodes of that show, uh, by the way. I think there was something about, you know, not only talking about the movie, but the comics themselves. I, I don't know why. That's. And I have, because I, I bought it at a comic show a couple years ago, the kind of the super special version of it, uh, right. of the Empire mm-hmm. thing. And I was just like, I thought, okay, I have the Marvel, you know, you know, there's the individual issues, and then there, there's this one. But then you guys reminded me that there was a, a Marvel Special Edition trade yes, version of it. Uh, paid 20 bucks for it with shipping. Isn't it beautiful? And this guy found a box of them and was just selling them off. Uh, and I was really surprised to get it at that price because treasury books, to me, uh, to me, if you pay 25 bucks for a treasury book, I mean, depending on the treasury book. I mean, if it's Superman Salutes the Bicentennial, you, you might as well give it away because uh, it's a lie. It's a dirty lie. I mean, it says Superman Salutes the Bicentennial and then it's Tomahawk Stories. Right, <laughs> right. And, and that just that just makes me feel like dirty inside. Like I like I was I was misled. Like I thought it was going to be patriotic stories featuring Superman. And no, it's a Western character. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just I feel like I was uh, like DC to buy this thing and the only reason you bought it is because it had superman with the eagle on his on his arm uh looking all patriotic and stuff but to me 25 bucks is probably the top you that was great but looking through this book oh my god this is awesome Mm -hmm. and and to me reading a treasury book as an adult it's kind of like reading a comic as a kid because it's so big and it may, it just reminds me of yes. being a little kid where the comics seemed huge and yes. now they're not. That's a good so, point. Uh, it gives you your the scale back. And when you were kids, those treasuries were huge. So, but no, I, I that's basically all I have. But uh, I, I spent money because of you guys. <laughs> I hear that all I, the I think time. <laughs> I want some reimbursement. That's, that's why we got the Shit, Amazon. Somebody needs to reimburse us. What are you talking about? 
we've we've driven all this business to other places and we don't get shit for it. Well, no, that's why we that's why we started doing the Amazon thing because that's all this we heard true. from anybody was just like, God damn it, I just spent two hundred dollars on DVDs. <laughs> I just bought Popeye, and I don't know why. And instead of thinking how we can help these people out, we figure out how we can make money off it. How we can bilk them out of cash, yes. Milk every listener. <laughs> you sure you guys want this to like go out? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? All right. Is it my turn? It is your turn, sir. Oh, my God. Strap in, bitches. List this is like going to be a while. comics coming. Here we go. I just get a freaking long box here. No, it's not that many, but it is a good old chunk. All right. Like I said before, I have these divided into into different, uh, different acquisitions. So I'm going to start out with I went to my old LCS not long ago. Now, I hadn't been to any comic shop, let alone my own LCS, my old LCS in quite a long time. Just some... Some whim inside me just said, you know, why don't you go stop by the old LCS? Just see what's going on in there, right? And I knew that they often have 50-cent boxes, but the last couple times I've been there just wasn't all that much stuff. But I stopped by, and apparently somebody had dumped a big old Bronze Age collection in there, right? A lot of great Bronze Age stuff. So this is what I picked up the first time around for 50 cents. These were all like on a whim book. So there's some mighty strangeness in here. I kind of got these with the intention of this will be some fun back to the bins fodder, you know, because I've been trying to shake up a little bit the kind of things I've been bringing to back to the bins because it seems like we've done an awful lot of issues of things like Brave and the Bold and stuff. So I wanted to kind of shake it up a little bit. Plus, I wanted to kind of get out of my wheelhouse a little bit, you know, kind of kind of venture out a little bit. So these caught my eye, and this is what I got. I got Hercules Unbound, a book I've never checked out before. I've seen it around. I remember the ads as a kid and you know other uh, DC magazines and stuff, but I've never checked it out. And I looked at the first two issues here, issues seven and eight, and as I was looking on the inside, I don't even know what made me open them up. Well, I know what it was. It's issue seven, the cover on here. Uh, it's signed by Buckler and Wood. And I thought, really? I had no idea that Rich Buckler ever worked on this title. So I opened it up to see who did the interiors. Sure enough, it's uh, Wally Wood, but he's teamed with Walt Simonson. And Mike, remember those early issues of All-Star Comics that we did when, you know, over on Tales of the JSA? Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of that. It really reminds me, like that story where they fought um, uh, Vandal Savage. Okay. The, the art is very similar, and I was just I, I kind of like that art. Um, I'm not the biggest Wally Wood fan in the world, but I, I kind of like that art style, and it looks a lot like that. And both of these stories are written by Dave Michelini, and I thought, well, how bad could they be? You know, I, I like my uh, Michelini's uh, writing quite a bit. Never checked out Hercules Unbound. I don't even know what the hell it is, to be honest with you. So I thought, what the hell? I love Walt Simonson. I like Wally Wood. I love Dave uh, Michelini, so I'll pick these up. And then there was an issue 12. This one is a Simonson cover on it. It's just Simonson, really good looking Simonson stuff. I opened it up and he's tackled the art uh, chores in this one solo story by Carrie Bates. So again, I was like, well, this looks cool. It looks like proto Thor stuff. You know, it's a good number of years before he took over doing Thor. So I thought, eh, what the hell? I'll pick it up. 50 cents. I also got John Carter. This is a Marvel book. John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Because, you know, I, I love that those uh, John Carter issues of Star Wars so much by Marvel. So I thought, what the hell? I'll pick this up. 
uh, number 22. And I picked this up mostly because the art was by uh, Mike Vosberg, who I really like quite a bit. Is Cody Sunchild by... in it? Oh, God only knows. I haven't read any of these yet. They're just they're sitting on the stack. Plus, the inside front cover is an advertisement for the uh, Leonard Nimoy version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is one of my favorite, like, cheesy-ass horror movies I'm from the 70s. I've never seen that. Are you kidding me? No, oh, you got to see it. I read the it. photo it's, novel of it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. So good in like that super cheesy yeah. way. Great ending to them. That movie's got one of the creepiest movie endings, uh, I think, ever. Moving on, I couldn't believe I found these in a 50 cent bin because my understanding anyway is that these issues, the entire run goes for a hefty sum these days as back issues. And I used to have a complete collection. I thought, well, what the hell? I'll pick them up and who knows, maybe one day I'll be able to rebuild a collection. Commandy, Last Boy on Earth, issues uh, 41 and 52. We just were talking about that on that Trentus Magnus show. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about Commandy. The uh, number 41 does look like it's Kirby. 52, however, is not. It's got a really nice buckler, again with the buckler, buckler and Alfredo Alcala cover. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, given yeah. uh, given how. I think that's after Kirby went back to Marvel Yeah, in the mid-'70s, because while the, <clears throat> while the Fourth World books did uh, kind of peter out at, like, the 10-11 issue mark, Commandy was the one that had the most legs. Oh yeah. Uh, in terms of going on stories, there was a great one that uh, was covered on a back to the bins by Paul, where basically they find a statue of Superman. Yes. Uh, and it, it's just a great issue. It's a great. It, that's a again. That's one of those series that I've always wanted to. Excuse me. Wow. That was like <laughs> in the middle of talking and everything. Wow. No, that's one of those series that I used to not want to check out, but now I kind of do just to see how crazy it really got. I had a complete collection of that when I was a kid. I'm trying to remember where the hell I got it. And I think I think I it was Walt. I was just going to say, I think I got that because Walt pushed it on me. Yes. I think that's why I got it. And when I got rid of them, I saved two issues. I saved number one only because I always liked the very Planet of the Apes looking cover that was on it. And I saved the issue. I think it's number, like, like number 29 or something. The issue that Paul reviewed on the sh on Back to the Bins, the one where they come across Superman's uniform just because it tied into Superman. And I always liked that story a lot. You, you know why that looked like Planet of the Apes, don't you? Oh, because it was taken off Planet of the yeah. Apes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's just a great cover. I always liked that one. My mind is always blown how Walt got both of our numbers when we would go over to his place. and like, Oh, yeah. He, we would both walk out with totally different piles of comics that he had pushed on both of us and they and he just knew and like, like a lot of the stuff was like stuff he thought ah they'll appreciate it later on in life right yeah and he was right too was because right. he was always trying to get me to you know get out of my wheelhouse because I, I i know he appreciated that i liked superman but he was always trying to get me into other stuff i know he wanted me to love kirby because mm -hmm. he was always trying to get me into well into he was kirby a, stuff. he drew himself so he was Right. More like a Frazetta sort of style, but yeah, he definitely appreciated Kirby. And you and I weren't having it when we were kids. We were just, no. whatever, he draws everybody with those stupid shark teeth. I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you how jealous I am of the fact that you guys had that Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, to go to. Because uh, I was completely on my own. I mean, I, I didn't know. 
I had to figure everything out myself. So it was just, it was just like what I chose to read was whatever was on the spinner rack. You know, when I went to the, sh- went to the store or anything. So the fact that you had kind of a mentor to usher you into, you know, to take that first step into the larger world uh, <clears throat> is awesome beyond words. Complete luck too. It, it, it's it very easily. Scott could never have been introduced to him, you know. Oh yeah, it was just were... one of those ra- not really random things, but connection to a co- it, like yeah, it's like he had no connection to like either of our families or our friends or something or anything like that. His kid, his kids weren't anybody we knew in school or anything like that. Yeah, it was it was just complete. It was a dumb luck happenstance. And I just wish I had appreciated him even more as a kid. I mean, I don't feel like I, I ever didn't appreciate him, but I just wish I had appreciated him that much more than I than I did. Yeah, but, you know, when you're a kid, you don't you're in your kid. Kids are so self-involved at that at the age right. we were then. We were like, oh, let's see what we could go get from Walt. And, you know, we were kind of, you know, we I don't think we really made fun of him that much, but we were kind of like, yeah, he's kind of weird. He's kind of got some goofy tooth going on and stuff. <laughs> right. But the thing, but the thing was, he was really smart, and he was like, you know, he he I he just he was one of the first adults that wasn't a teacher or related to us that treated you like a hum, you know, an adult human. He would, you know, he actually talked to us and like. When we'd go over there, he'd be like, oh, well, you should check out this. This is really good and right. give us a little history and stuff. But he was never talking down to us. And I always that made a big impression at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I appreciate I, I mean, I appreciated him at the time. But I appreciate him so much more now because he really introduced us to, to some stuff. You know that we wouldn't have had ac- any access to otherwise, mm-hmm. and that that was always pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of the great books that I have in my collection now that would be too expensive for me to even look at these days, I got because you know he sold them to me really cheap back in the day, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, continuing on here, this, this is some more from the stack of just hey, let me just pick this up because well, what the hell. I'm probably getting a pretty close to a complete collection of this title by this point. I got four issues of, wait for it, Karate Kid by DC. I get issues two, three, four, and 11. Um, whatever I've read, ever read of this title, it was goofy as hell, but I figured, what the hell? They were 50 cents, and I know I'm getting pretty close. Plus, I loved the the cover on issue number two where Karate Kid is fighting a couple of just random goons in front of the UN, and behind him, he's about to be attacked by major disaster. (laughs) Do you remember um, the TRS-80 comic with Superman? Yes. It was Major Disaster was the villain. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I just thought that was cool. Uh, I got, I don't know jack shit about this character. I've heard of him and that's it. I couldn't tell you a thing about him, but I thought, eh, again, what the hell? It's 50 cents. Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter, number 12. Oh, come on, Scott. He was in that Brave and the Bold we did on Back to the Binge Is that years the guy? Ago. Yeah, where Batman rode on a plane with him. Was that In Coach, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, okay. I thought he sounded familiar, but... Uh, let's see. Written by David Anthony Kraft, uh, Rick Estrada, and Jack Abel are the artists. It looks goofy as hell, so I can't wait for that one. This was the only serious purchase of the entire bunch was the last issue. 
I got this because uh, Mike and I covered an issue of this on Tales of the JSA, and now I'm determined to get the entire series if I can pick it up on the cheap. Steal the Indestructible Man, number two, mm. for 50 cents. So, so that was that one. So I picked those all up, but when I was there, I noticed that he had created a new section at the, the comic shop of dollar books. I don't usually look through the dollar books because, honestly, for back issues, a dollar is... Eh, it, eh. I'm be I'm cheap, cheap. I'll be honest. I am so damn cheap. You are so freaking cheap. I am super cheap. It depends on what that back them. issue is. Like, well, exactly. That's the thing. And just out of pure curiosity, I decided, what the hell? I'll take a quick look and see what was in there. And man, was there some sweet <laughs> stuff in there. But at the time, I was I was kind of broke, and I was like, you know, I don't really have a, you know, I, I can't really be spending a dollar a piece on these comics. But it was bugging me, the stuff that I had seen in there. And it, it just ate at me for weeks. So finally, uh, we went in there, or we went back up to... This is just up in Sanford. So for me, it's about 20 minutes up the road, up where uh, George Perez lives. So we, we go up there. This is where we do our grocery shopping most of the time. So we were back up there in that town one day. Had a little bit of extra time to, to spare. And so I wandered back in there, start digging through the dollar bin. And I couldn't help myself. I come out with this massive stack. These are all dollar books, but damn, there's some sweet shit in here. I so here goes. For all of those, for just about everything on that list, man. So right off the bat, four issues. I'm getting so close to a complete collection. Four issues, Adventures of the Planet of the Apes, yeah. baby. Issues four, five, six, and nine beautiful condition on these books i mean these are really nice too there's a few in here that are a little ratty but of you know of the other of the overall collection but these issues of uh planet of the apes are just fantastic really good shape uh completely on a whim because i knew i didn't have it i picked up all-star western number seven now this is all-star western from back in the 70s uh issue seven this is pre-jonah hex Beautiful cover on it by uh, Tony DiZaniga. And this is back when they had a feature in there called Outlaw. So he's the cover feature on the book. Gorgeous cover. And like I say, I knew I didn't have it, so I picked it up. Turns out this is now my earliest issue of All-Star Western. So I'm slowly making my way backwards. I'm going to keep picking them up as I find them on the cheap. Maybe eventually I'll have the entire series. Because I have everything from this issue forward. So now I only lack you know the first six issues. Haven't read it yet, but it looks really good. And I'm very curious about that book, you know, the, the pre-Jonah Hex issues. The next bit that I bought, I got strictly because, despite myself, because of the Guardians, of course, I find myself suddenly, for the first time in my comic-collecting life, kind of interested in Marvel Cosmic. So I'm, I'm kind of slowly delving back into all the stuff I've, you know, ignored all these years. So I got a whole bunch of issues of Captain Marvel. This is the Marvel series of Captain Marvel. I got issues 22, 40, 43, 48, 49, which you can hear uh, very shortly. Um, there's a, No, actually, I think it got posted. I think it's the current episode of Back to the Bins is uh, our Guardians crossover, ep- you know, our coattails riding episode. And this is the issue I discussed on there is Captain Marvel number 49. Uh, Captain Marvel 51 and 61. All different artists all throughout this. I think 61 looks like it's a Pat Broderick cover on it. 22, I think, is the is one of the issues that um, Wayne Boring did. And I didn't know that Wayne Boring ever did any Marvel stuff, but it turns out he did, and he actually did some issues of Captain Marvel, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Paul covered one of these a few weeks back on, uh, on Back to the Bins. It was a sorry-ass issue, but I sure liked the art in it. 
both the yeah, I think uh, Roy Thomas was trying to get him work uh, as much as he could. Love Wayne Boring. Love him, love him, love him. This is another one of those books. I've read precious few issues of it, but a few years ago, while I was digging through and organizing my vast unread comic collection, I realized, damn, dude, I'm getting close to a complete collection of this goddamn book. Maybe I should get serious about it. So now whenever I find issues, I pick them up and eventually uh, I'll probably end up getting the entire series. And that's the Defenders from Marvel. I've really read very little of it, but one of these days I'm I'm going to sit down and Here so. go through the whole series. There is some wacky stuff wacky in there. Wacky shit, yeah. But it looks cool, though. Uh, I got number 28, which uh, actually has Starhawk from Guardians of the Galaxy. So there you go with Guardians again. I got the annual number one. I mean, for a dollar. You know, for Defenders annual number one. I was like, damn, that's a good deal. Uh, giant size Defenders number two that has you know all the classic Defenders and also the Son of Satan on it. Here we go. Here's one of the big scores. For a dollar, Fantastic Four, number 49. Whoa! Wow. This is... What kind of shape was it in? It's a little ratty, I'll be honest with you. It's not the officially graded whip to shit, but it's pretty close. It's, I mean, it's ratty, but it's complete. I mean, the cover's attached. It's well-loved, but it is complete. I mean, for a dollar. This yeah. is part of the Galactus Saga. This, this is the one, you, you'd instantly recognize the cover if you saw it. It's the cover where Galactus is looming very large on the cover. He's outreaching with his hands. The FF's running away from him at the bottom of the panel. It says, if this be doomsday, and it's also yeah. like the Silver Surfer streaking around. This is a 12 center for a buck. I picked up uh, Legion of Superheroes, number 38. This is the Baxter series, only because I wanted uh, another copy of it. The copy that I had previously owned, I got autographed by... Um, Bill Sienkiewicz, he signed the cover because it's one of my favorite comic covers of all time. He did the cover on that. But I wanted one that was not written on, so I got it myself a spare. Here you go. This was the find of the entire lot right here. I got myself, again, this is one I, I lack at this point. After getting these issues, I lack three issues to have a complete series. I got three issues of Marvel Team-Up for a dollar, mind you. Marvel Team-Up number one, baby. Mm. Spider-Man and the Human Torch. I've been chasing oh. this friggin' book for how long, and I suddenly find it in a dollar bin. Beautiful condition. Marvel Team-Up number nine, Spider-Man and Iron Man, and number 13, Spider-Man and Captain America. So now I just, I lack three issues, and I'll have a complete set, including annuals of Marvel Team-Up. Got a Marvel Triple Action number three, just because... Eh, what the hell? I like uh, I like cl uh, collecting these early reprint books like Marvel Triple Action and fantasy masterpieces and stuff like that. Because when I was a kid, my mom and one of my uncles used to dump uh, tons and tons of uh, coverless comics on me because they worked in paper mills. And I had a lot of issues of stuff like Triple Action and fantasy masterpieces and all those those reprint Marvel tales. I had lots of those books. So a that was my exposure to a lot of early, early Marvel stuff was through those reprint books. And so I've always had a fondness for these. I like them. All. And strangely, even though they're reprints, these are actually climbing in value now, too, in the back issue market because they're kind of hard to find. And let's see what else here. Rounding out, I got four issues of Thor. I got 218. It's just got a great cover with... Uh, 
Thor using his hammer to bat away some laser fires like he's protect protecting some Rigelians that are behind him. Just a great cover. I'm not sure who this is, but I love the artwork on it. Uh, 219, 257, and then annual number 9. Thor is another one that I'm uh, steadily building a nice little collection of Thor books from about 200 upwards. I've damn near got them all at this point, so... Now if I can just find the time to sit down and actually read the goddamn things. Alright, so next stack. Uh, as I said before, recently uh, I went to Conjure, which is a brand new uh, uh, comic book convention. or It's, I mean, it's more of a sci-fi nerd convention, really, that just popped up here in uh, Orlando recently. Had their very first convention. And Two True Freaks had a great presence there. We did uh, several panels at the con. It was a lot of fun. They had a really good con floor. They had uh, a couple of different comic book vendors. One of them had a ton, a ton of cheap books. And then the other one had, uh, gosh, I couldn't even tell you how many uh, long boxes they had. But they had the weirdest thing I'd ever heard of is that there wasn't a price on them. It was, three, uh, it was $3 a pound. So they actually would go by the weight of the books. So, you know, we started digging through and I found some fantastic stuff. Not all of these come from the three for a pound, but most of them do. Uh, but anyway. How many comics do you get in a pound? It, it depends. About, I mean, if, if you find like. Image you know, books, you like three. Yeah. I mean. For, uh, three a like, pound. I mean, it was just. The, the, just the paper stock, really. Exactly. I guess, but, uh, yeah, that was a lot of it. Was depending on the paper stock, whether it was bag and boarded, how many the page count was. But then the guy, you know, if you were buying a ton of shit, the guy would get you a really good break on it too. So I mean, I got a ton of stuff, and I think I paid like six bucks for all the stuff that I got. So it's a it's a good bunch of books. Um, these first couple were not from the three for a pound. These were actually, I think, these were a dollar a piece. I think from the other booth. But uh, really good condition books here. I got uh, Action Comics, number 385, with an aged Superman busting a, a kryptonite chain across his chest. Another one that I swear I've never seen this book before. It's uh, Action Comics 503 with uh, people lining up to volunteer to give Superman a blood transfusion. Mm -hmm. And I got this just because I, it's a uh, Murphy Anderson cover, and I love Murphy Anderson Superman. So I'm looking forward to that just because I, I don't remember ever seeing this cover before. Uh, I, then from the uh, three for a pound box, I got Action Comics number 523 with uh, Clark Kent being pissed off at Superman and he's about to deck him. I just love the cover on this by Andrew and uh, Giordano. I got Captain Canuck number 11 just just to, you know, because people keep after me about uh, on Back to the Bins to do a Captain Canuck book. But this one looks great because he looks like Captain Canuck axe murderer because he's holding a, an axe. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it looks like the artist is really aping John Byrne on this cover. But I really like the cover on it, so I thought, meh, what the hell. I got a copy of DC Sampler. Uh, this is one of DC's free books from back in the day, and it turns out I already have the damn thing, so that was a waste of money. Uh, Defenders, number 17, which may be at this point my earliest issue of Defenders. I'm not sure, but it's in fantastic shape for uh, having it having gotten it out of the uh, cheapy box uh i'm gonna ignore that one that was a freebie book <gasps> here we go again i'm almost there on a complete collection of these doomsday plus one yeah Joel i saw Charlton. that 
Yeah, number nine. Now, I think I have the complete story through the reprints that Fanographic Books put back out back in, when was that, like the eight, late 80s, early 90s? They did a fantastic reprint series. It was called Doomsday Squad, I think they called yeah. it. Yeah, I've got a few of those. Yeah, so I think I have the whole story, but I, I've been struggling to try to find the, the actual original individual issues and i'm i'm pretty close now i've i've got to be within one or two of having the complete set and this was a total whim buy i found an issue of spider-man 2099 i used to really like the 20 you know certain ones of the 2099 books but at some point i I don't know why i just stopped buying them and this cover caught my eye because it was uh spider-man and he's cornered in a in a corner of his web and Dr. Doom, and this is Doom 2099, his fist is grabbing the web as if he's going to like pull the web down like out of the corner of a ceiling or something. But I just, I loved the art on this and I didn't recognize the art style. So just because the, the cover grabbed me, I, I looked inside and it's written, uh, this is when Peter David was still in the book. And the artists are Andrew Wildman and Stephen Baskerville. I don't recognize their names, but I love this art. And... Upon flipping through it, I see that it does indeed have Spider-Man and Doom inside. And these were my two favorite 2099 characters. So I thought, eh, what the hell? So I picked it up. And then as soon as uh, Logan, my youngest boy, he was with me. And uh, by the way, he got a great score. He likes Power Pack from the 80s. Got almost a complete collection of Power Pack you know, completing the issues that he lacks out of that uh, three for a pound box. So he got a really good deal on all those. But he had picked out some issues of Spider-Man 2099 and was going to put them back. But when he saw me throw that one on my stack, he threw these other issues in as well, just because he wanted to read them. Uh, Number 21. And then there's a number 29 that has, I think this guy was Venom 2099 who I don't know anything about, but he looks really cool. I remember hearing about him, but I've never read anything about him. So I thought, eh, what the hell? This was a book I always meant to go back and revisit to see, you know, what happened beyond the issues, wherever I stopped reading it at. So I'll pick him up here and there. Because I know you can find 2099 books super cheap these days. Uh, Spider-Woman, number 37. I picked this up just because, well, for one, I wouldn't mind having a complete collection of Spider-Woman. I do have a lot of issues, but it's written by Chris Claremont. Layouts in this by Steve Lealoha, and I love this guy's art, and it, it just looks really good. It's got the, um, oh, what's this guy named, uh, the High Evolutionary in it, and I always thought the High Evolutionary was kind of cool. So I thought, yeah, what the hell. Uh, just because I didn't have it, and just because it features one of the goofiest characters from uh, the uh, from this team, I picked up Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number two sixteen that has Tyrock in it. Because just because Tyrock is friggin' ridiculous, and the whole story with Tyrock. If you don't know it, look it up. Look it up on like Wikipedia or something to read about Tyrock. It's spelled T Y R O C. Yeah, not one of DC's prouder moments or prouder superheroes. <laughs> but that first appearance is actually a really good story. I wonder, is this the first appearance? I can't remember. I believe you got the appearance, yes. This is, okay, the hero who hated the Legion. Yeah, His this might sounds be. like a auto part. Oh, he just looks, uh, I, I, I'm not even going to go into it. It's <laughs> just, you got to read about it to believe that, wait, wait, they did what now? No, this really happened? Yeah, it really happened. 
Moving along, Superman number 362 and 366, just because I didn't have them. Uh, and then a bunch of issues, bunch more issues of Thor. I got 313, 315, 317, when it's got a great cover with uh, a rocket blasting off from Cape Canaveral and Thor is trying to stop it. And it's just a really cool... Hey, you know what? That's Keith Pollard, and I don't usually like him, but that's a really nice cover. 328... Oh, here's some more I got. Uh, issues of Warlord. Just because, you know, just strictly out of 50-cent bins and 25-cent bins, I've damn near got a complete collection of Warlord at this point. So I figured, well, I'll pick up the ones I don't have. So I got Warlord 46, 51, 60, which has a beautiful cover on it. 75. Oh, here's one. All right, Mike, I know you've heard me talk about this story a million times. The story where Superman and Robin are desperate to find Batman because he's been buried alive. Remember me yeah. talking about this story before? Oh, yeah. Well, I've never had it complete before. I never had it with a cover on it. I've always had it. It's, it's just one of those early comics I had from when I started collecting comics as a kid. And the one I have always had all these years is this ratty coverless issue of it. And I finally found it with the cover on it. And it was part of those uh, three for a pound books. So I thought, well, what the hell? So I threw it on the stack. But the cover, which I don't think I've ever seen before, is really cool. It's the lower half of the cover is Batman. You know, he's in the box and he's like pounding with his fist like, hey, I'm, I'm buried alive in here. And then above ground, it's, of course, Superman and Robin. But it also features all the other people that are in the book in other features. So you've got Green Arrow, uh, Hawkman, Red Tornado, and, of course, captain marvel shazam uh drawn by buckler and giordano who are the ones that that draw the the world's finest uh portion of the story but the art's beautiful i love this is one of my favorite world's finest stories just a lot of fun so i'm glad to have a copy of that and for a mere five dollars planet of the apes magazine number 14 baby Ooh, Which, that's a good price yeah you know what they I've, had i've back? been looking at those on ebay and just going nope yep. nope they are nope. not cheap uh, no i wish i'd had a little bit more money because i kicked myself that i i didn't pull the trigger on it but they had an issue number two number two for five bucks i should have bought the friggin thing but i just was, i was trying not to spend much money you know but I bought this one instead of number two because this one features another chapter of the adaptation of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And I want that. If, if I only ever get one complete story arc in, in the Planet of the Apes magazine, that's the one I want is the adaptation of Escape because yeah. I love that. Because the adaptations of the first two movies are in um, Adventures... In the comic... The, uh, you know, the comic-sized yeah. one. So I've got most of the issues of that. I want Escape. So that's why I picked this one up. But, I mean, that's a hell of a steal for five bucks because those books are not cheap. No. All right, I know we're running a little bit long, but I have saved the absolute best for last. And I know he's been listening to this entire episode going, damn it, I thought he said he was going to talk about the books that I gave him. Well, here we go. All right, so big, big, big shout out to my friend Kirk Landry. It's a funny story here. Kirk's a great guy. He lives over in Louisiana. He's a big Disney nut as well. So he comes to Disney quite often, usually once or twice a year. For the last umpteen times that the poor guys come here, timing has just not worked out for the two of us, and we, we just never got a chance to get together. So one of the last times he came, 
he dropped me a little note and he's like, all right, well, these books that I've been trying to give you to hell with it. I'm just going to give them to somebody else. I was like, oh, don't be like that. You know, but I felt so bad. It just didn't work out for us to get together. Well, this last time he was here, things finally worked out. We were actually able to get together and I'd completely forgotten that he said that he had some books that he wanted to give me. So we got together, we hung out for a little while, and while we were together, he lays these books on me. You're not going to believe what's in here. Some awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So I got Superman number 368. Great cover on this by a Buckler and Austin. This is the one where Superman's looking in a mirror and like his evil self is looking back with like the ripped S on the front of his shirt. I love that cover. The intruder can be identified by a ripped <laughs> S on his shirt. <laughs> He gave me, these are really cool because these are Whitman reprints. I think I have the original issues, I'm not sure. But you know, it's strange that these Whitman reprints are actually gathering steam in the back issue market. And some of them are actually worth more than the actual issues themselves, which is really odd. That doesn't make a lick of sense. No, it does not at all. Is it maybe because they were a low run or something? I think they're just rare or something. I, I, I think someone's lying to us is what I think is <laughs> Uh, let's see here. We got Superman. The only problem I have with these Whitman reprints is they never put the cover on the or the issue number on the damn thing. The the Whitman logo covers up all the information, including the issue number. So you actually have to look inside at the indicia to find out what issues they are. We got Superman with three twenty six. A great cover of uh, Jimmy and Lois watching TV as Clark Kent rips open his shirt to reveal he's Superman. I just think that's a great cover on that one. Uh, Action Comics, this is for... Ugh, need my glasses. For... It's either 88 or 86, with Superman being shot with a bazooka on the front cover, it looks like, by uh, Buckler and uh, Giacoya. And then that great Neil Adams cover. Now, this isn't the Kryptonite No More. This is... Uh, I think this is a reprinting of... Yes, this is a reprinting of Kryptonite Nevermore from Action Comics number... This is 485, I think it yes. says. With uh, Neil, a It's a Neil Adams cover of him busting a kryptonite chain, but it's not the one you may be thinking of. It's not the one from Kryptonite Nevermore. This is like a retake of that cover. You, with you know why he did that angle. cover? Why is that? He hated the first one. Really? He hates that cover. Wow, that's an he, iconic image. I know, but he, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like, how, he doesn't like the composition. So I'm willing... So knowing that and having that... Uh, issue in my collection as well and seeing that version of the cover i am just assuming that he redid it to his own satisfaction huh this is a great cover though i like the other one better but this one is really nice uh here you go mike dc comics presents number 47 superman and the masters of the universe okay let me tell you about that book <laughs> I got it in my head around 2003 that I was going to get a complete collection of DC Comics Presents. And there's a thing about DC Comics Presents is that mostly they're dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. I mean, 50-cent books, dollar books, whatever. Titan Games and Comics had all of the issues I needed for really cheap. I think I waited to one of their 50% off sales. Except that issue. And you ever have one of those moments in your life where something happens to you and you're reminded in like a comical flashback style of when you had the chance to do something about it earlier in your life and then that hits you later in life 
Because that book, that, that particular issue, sat in Titan's back issue bin with a $2 price tag on it from the time I got the, I came down here in Atlanta in like 95. It was always there. And I always thought, ah, I'll buy it next time. Ah, I'll buy it next time. So when I went to finally buy it, it was around 2003. Well, guess what happened in 2003? The 80s came back. Yep. Like, starting about 2001, but c continuing into there. So, that book suddenly was $15 on eBay. Oh. Now, I managed to find one that was cheaper than that. It wasn't $2, but it was the last one I needed for my collection. And I was really impatient. And it's not even that good of a story. I mean, I like it, but it, it, that, that version of He-Man is very strange. Yeah. He is. So I screw do. that book, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, here's where shit gets serious here. We got four more books, but this is where it gets intense. Batman, number 206. This is a 12 center. Says, uh, Batman walks the last mile. This is the end. And it shows uh, Batman, he's handcuffed, and he's being walked down the green mile. Dude. Oh my god. Cool. Dead bat walking. It looks really awesome. Really, really awesome. I love this. I'm not sure who the artist is, but I really... It could be Infantino. I'm not sure. Re I is, love the cover, though. Twelve. Is Michael stars, Clark though. Duncan on the cover? <laughs> there are people reaching out of their cells. Maybe one of them is Duncan. That's funny. Brave in the Bold, number 80. Batman and the Creeper. This is a... Uh, Neil Adams issue. This may be... I want to say this may be the first Adams Brave and the Bold. I could be wrong about that. I should have looked that up ahead of time. If, if it's not the first, it's one of the first. But this is where they battle the Helgramite, who I always liked, who came back in uh, in the Superman books in the... Mm -hmm. uh, what was that, the 90s? That's really weird. My, my father used to collect fishing lures, and one of the most... Um, Valuable fishing lures ever is called the Flying Helgramite. Helgramite. Yeah. Ah, you know what? I'm flipping through this, and there's an ad in this Brave and the Bold book for the next book I was going to talk about. This is a book I have wanted forever, and I just never got one. I don't know if it's because it's expensive or what, but I've, I've never had a copy of it before, and I was so happy to find this in this stack of books. DC special number one. This is the all Infantino issue. It's the one where uh, Infantino is hunkered over his drawing board and you've got the floaty heads of like Superman, Batman, the Teen Titans. I remember uh, that. The cover. Flash. I'm not sure who the monkey character is. Is that Detective, Detective Chimp? Chimp? Might be Detective Chimp. Batgirl, Adam Strange, Elongated Man. I can't wait to read this because, man... I, I have really become enamored of uh, of early Infantino, and so this was quite the fine, cause, or well, not a fine, but quite the gift, because uh, I, I have wanted this issue for a long time. It's, it's just another one of those covers you see, and I go, oh yeah, I remember that ad, because this was advertised all over the place in DC books from around this time. The last one, this is the creme de la creme. I couldn't believe. I would. I actually. I'm like, dude. Are you serious? Are you. Are you sure you want to just give this to me? Because you know you can slap this sucker on eBay. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I want you to have it. So there's a movie that's out right now, right? Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And one of the characters in that movie, Groot, the tree guy, I used to have his first appearance. It was in Tales to Astonish. I forget the exact issue. And I mean, who the hell ever thought that Groot would be in a movie one day? You know, it'd be this, you know, this this big hit movie, and and he would be one of the the stars, one of the heroes of the movie. I could, you know, nobody could have predicted that. So I sold it on eBay quite a long time ago, and I mean, I got a decent penny out of it and everything, but not like the money I could be getting for it right now if I had it. But that was the only issue of Tales to Astonish that I ever owned until now. So, Kirk gives me an issue of Tales to Astonish. This is number 65 with the Hulk and the new giant. It says, introducing the new giant man. I do believe that this is the oh. first appearance of Giant Man. And I was just like, holy shit, dude. Again, a 12 center. Let me see. I'm going to crack this sucker open and see what year this is. Because I'm thinking this is probably like 60. I'm going to guess like 64. This is 60, okay, 65, March of 65, and uh, yeah, this is presenting the new Giant Man is the first story in here, and the Hulk is the backup feature by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, which is really odd. Ditko just not, it's not who I think of when I think of the Hulk, you know, I always expect it to be, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Kirby or... Herb Trimpy or something. Let me see. Who's the... It's on the Giant Man story. It's Stan Lee, Bob Powell, and Don Heck. I mean, I was just floored. I'm like, wow. I can't believe that somebody would want to give me, you know, something. I was just... I was really touched. Genuinely touched. I thought that that was really awesome. I've gotten some really nice stuff from listeners lately. That was something. Especially when it's something like this that you know darn well they could get some, some serious money off of eBay yep. or something like that. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's the stack, man. What do you think? That's what we should call this episode, The Stack. <laughs> but again, uh, thank you to Kirk. I thought that that was, that was really sweet. And it's taken, I've had him for a while, so it has taken me a very long time to get around to that shout-out. Yeah, and I want to thank once again Mark Kambach and Paul Riches too for for sending me stuff too. I love it. I love getting stuff in the mail. I've been kind of bad with eBay lately, but I've been buying cheap, cheap, cheap. You know, find it late night ending for three ninety nine stuff, and uh, it's been working out great. <laughs> stack here is this is like you know like four years worth of back to the bins right here so right, right. To keep me busy for a while <laughs> so long as they'll have me over there anyway i blew all mine in one issue of comics monthly monday If you shop at Amazon.com please consider using the link at two truefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> hey, Mr. Bush, and I'll root for you in the world. You make the zombies out of little boys and girls. 
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.